The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so pleased that you've joined me today because we have a very special show. I guess I kind of think every show is special. This one's a little different, as you will hear as we go along. My work as an evidential medium has shown me irrefutably that we are souls playing a human role. Once a person comes to this awareness, you know, we may want to just go live in an ashram and spend all day meditating because we discover in the silence the the truth of who we are, the peace and the bliss that, that awaits us in meditation. But, you know, I kind of like my family and friends. I like interacting with them. So while we may have an awakening, we still feel called to enjoy our family, our friends, and our work relationships. And in this way, we learn to integrate our soul awareness into our human lives. But in this reality, we also need to eat and to have shelter. So the normal rules of Earth School include working and earning money for some portion of our time here. The question then becomes... How do you find the balance between money and following your heart once you realize that you're in this world but not of it? Sound familiar? Well, once I discovered who we really are as souls temporarily in human bodies, I made it my mission to reach as many people as possible with the message that love never dies. And ask my husband. It's like my burning obsession to share the messages of hope with people. Um, my goal in inc- of increasing my reach was not to make money, but abundance is a natural result of being in alignment with the source of all supply. As many of you know, money can be a very touchy subject for all of us. And when you bring spirituality into the picture, it becomes downright sticky. In my initial efforts to reach more people several years ago, I hired some marketing folks to help me. And I immediately experienced some conflict as these folks tried to convince me to use the kind of hype and pressure tactics I'm sure all of you are well familiar with. And I found that intensely dissonant with the energy of the soul. I know that many of you listening today work now or would like to work in the healing field and helping field in some kind of heart-based service to others' capacity 
you understand about the need for balance and about the exchange of energy that takes place when we serve others. And you know that to do your work, you need to let people know about your services. So after my initial less than positive experience with mainstream marketing, I had no one I trusted to invite to advise me on how to find that balance until I met my guest for today's show. And he is business coach George Cow. As a result of a spiritual breakthrough, George learned to bring his spirituality into his career, and now he helps others to do the same. I was introduced to George by Leslie Seidel, a life coach who attended one of my Serving Spirit classes in California. I'm so grateful to Leslie, who I think is listening today. Hello, Leslie, for bringing George to my awareness because he, trusts me, as you're about to find out, is a rare find in the work world. He's a champion for generosity in business and honesty in marketing. Imagine that. <laughs> George has an MBA in sustainable business from Presidio Graduate School, one of the best graduate schools in the world. He has personally coached hundreds of clients and offers many valuable free articles and videos at his website, georgecow.com. That's K-A-O. He's the author of two books, Authentic Content Marketing and Joyful Productivity. So we won't be talking much about mediumship today, which is generally the focus of this show, but we will be talking about how to honor our dual aspects as humans and souls. I know all of you will enjoy hearing about George's spiritual journey, which I found fascinating when I listened to a podcast with him and Leslie. And you're going to learn some truly wonderful ideas on how to live and earn more authentically. How does that sound? Please join me in welcoming George Cow. How are you doing, George? Hi, Suzanne. That was just an amazing intro. I really am grateful that you have put so much uh, thoughtfulness into it, and you summarized everything so well. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I just, I love your presence. I feel your energy right off the bat. And I just go, ah, because again, there's none of that hype. You are coming from a place of knowing, of peace. Uh, it, it just radiates whatever from you, whatever you're talking about. So yeah. why don't you tell us about your spiritual awakening by going all the way back to the beginning? What kind of uh, religion or spirituality yeah. did you identify with at the beginning? Well, I grew up in a Buddhist household in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is a small island uh, off the coast of China, southeast of China. Um, and, you know, we called it Buddhism, but it was more of a, I would say more like a folk folk religion more that we were we were doing uh, ancestor worship. We had deities with, you know, a, a statues in the household. They, they represented different things. And uh, we believed in reincarnation, but it was kind of a strange type of, it was like, you know, you could reincarnate as an animal if you weren't, uh, mm. uh, you know, good to your fellow man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> we were just trying to, trying to be good people. And we would go to temple, uh, different various temples on a regular basis to, you know, use incense and pray to the various deities for blessings in our home and in our work. And uh, so it was a, it was a, not the kind of Buddhism that you usually encounter in the West. You know, we think about mindfulness, right? When we think about Buddhism in the West, but uh, back in the East, you know, there's very, uh, there's a diverse 
uh, you know, diverse ways of, of approaching it. So. Okay. Fascinating. And so how long yeah. did you, was it something you practiced? Did you actually uh, have a, a, a practice of attending yeah. A, yeah. a temple? Yeah. I mean, or, just things that I did with family, really. I didn't personally practice it because I, um, we moved, we immigrated to the United States when I was quite young. And so once I got here to the U.S., um, you know, within a few years, uh, we had some family friends who started bringing me to, uh, you know, like Billy Graham <laughs> events. I, I, we immigrated to Southern California. And, uh, you know, we started, uh, you know, my, some family friends started bringing me to church. And, Billy Graham you know, events. Now that's a big switch. Oh yeah, it's a it's a big switch, but it was it was really exciting, you know the, these revivals and uh, these kind of worship, uh, you, know, you know, sessions and things like that. They were they were all it was a, it was really the first time that I really thought about religion, you know, and, and spirituality. Um, before then, it was sort of like family practices and traditions, right? Mm-hmm. So I became an evangelical Christian before long. I think it was when I was in uh, junior high. And um, that was all throughout uh, most of college. I was evangelical. And in college, I uh, was, you know, going out into the campus and trying to convert people to to believe in Jesus as the uh, Lord and Savior of their life and, you know, trying to save people from hell. And, um, you know, I, uh, towards the end of college, I uh, tried to convert one of my professors. <laughs> Oh, and, that's brave. Uh, you know, it kind of backfired. Right? Uh, the professor had, of course, had other people trying to convert him. And, and the, the strain of thought that it's sort of the one thought that he had me uh, consider that really kind of threw me for a loop and, and had me uh, more thoughtfully look at what I believe and, and uh, what was true about life was he said, you know, if you're so certain about the only way to God and, and all this, then you're closing yourself off from, from any other, uh, you know, cause you, you know, he said, George, you, to me, you obviously have a passion for truth. You have a passion to find the truth, mm-hmm. but if you already know what the truth is, how can you explore any further? Then you've closed yourself off from any other possibility of what the truth might be. Mm. And that really got me thinking. And I started to, um, he said, you know, George, you all, I can also see that you're a compassionate person. You want to understand other people, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you go out there and use that compassion and use that passion for the truth and listen to some other stories about their spiritual experiences and see what you learn. And I, hmm. and I said, that's true. Cause I, I, in, in Christianity, we believe in compassion. We believe in um, humility, right? And humility right. Is, is sort of, you know, the opposite of a rigid certainty that, no, I'm not going to listen to you because I already know what you, I already, I don't care what you went through. I am going to put my views on top of your experiences without under, truly understand, truly willing to listen. You know, I unfortunately yeah. encounter that a lot with people when I comes to mediumship so i can certainly understand yeah. that so it sounds Absolutely. like you were more open-minded and willing to take his advice you know if i hadn't been um willing to consider 
others' experiences, I would have said mediumship is of the devil, right? That's how mm-hmm. you know some some evangelicals are are taught to believe. I think I and, may have heard that. <laughs> um, but anyway, long, long story short, I, I started listening. I started listening to other spiritual experiences, and I encountered uh, ways of thinking that couldn't fit into my 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 narrow views. And so it got me to to start reading some books, and that's when I encountered uh, near death experiences, and that oh. really threw me for a loop because I said, "Well, gosh, there are yes, there are a lot of Christian near death experiences, and I and a lot of people see Jesus." And I, I do mm-hmm. believe that Jesus has some special role for Earth's evolution. You know, I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what that role is, but I think there is a special role that Jesus plays. Um, but there are also, you know, Buddhists that have near-death experiences. There are atheists that have near-death experiences that are positive ones. That are, mm-hmm. you know, and and in fact, a lot of Christians have NDEs that are sent back with a more broad view of spiritual development. You know, that it's not only about believing in certain words and certain, uh, you know, you have to believe in the, this particular idea of Jesus saving your soul in order to get to heaven. But but perhaps that idea is even deeper than what some people believe. And so reading hundreds of near-death experiences through dozens of books, uh, that even though I myself have not had a near-death experience, just reading about it, and some of you may have experienced the same thing, and just listening to listening to this radio show, you know, and this podcast, may have given you a, a deeper spiritual awakening than 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 before, and that's what happened I, to me. So I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I have read that it's been scientifically proven that just reading or hearing others' stories opens us yeah. to the possibility of those experiences and that belief. Absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, after that, I, uh, I would, I, you know, became kind of confused in terms of what my religion was, but I knew that there was a life beyond what we see and can touch and feel um, in our regular <laughs> vibrational frequency, and that there is hope beyond this life. That we are, in some way that that we can't define right now, profoundly taken care of mm-hmm. that we are guided in ways that uh that we can't always see but and it's all going to be okay and not just okay it's all going to be brilliantly loving and complete and absolutely so, and if anybody's listened my to my other episodes in the archives um, we've had quite a few guests who've had ndes and stes yeah. and and uh I, and from my personal experience i can guarantee that so Yes, yes. Well, uh-huh. so I didn't actually uh, discover mediumship um, until just, I would say, less than 10 years ago, you know, in, into, my, into my adulthood, well into my adulthood, I, I finally discovered uh, there was a school of thought called Spiritism, which uh, some of your listeners may have heard of, but a lot of people in, in, the, in North America haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. It actually came out of, um, it's very popular in Brazil, it originally yes. came out of France. Uh, by this um, biology teacher who then became really interested in spirituality after discovering uh, spiritual phenomena in, in his town. You know, there's table wrappings and uh, people being, people speaking, uh, uh, channeling basically. And he, as a, as a scientist, he said, well, I have to disprove these things. I got to study these things. And 
one day he was at a friend's house where uh, the friend's daughters had been had been channeling some gibberish. And he said, well, come and please come and look at what's happening to my daughters. And when he went over, the daughters started channeling some very mm. high and profound wisdom. And, they, and that was very strange. So he started taking notes. He started asking the spirits questions. And they did mm-hmm. that for a couple of years. And that turned into what's called the spirits book, which is a thousand That's- questions that the scientist asked these high spirits on what is the afterlife? What is the spiritual body? What is, you know, what is the purpose of life and et cetera, et cetera. And, and you can actually find the spirits book online now for free, you know, just go and yep. read it. It's in, you know, it's in the public domain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that opened your mind. eh? What's that? Go ahead. That, that opened your mind a little more, huh? Oh gosh. It, it, it taught me so much and it, it, uh, really kind of gave me some of the language that I have now to talk about spirit, you know, spirit communication and, and mediumship, that kind of thing. So from there, I realized, I discovered that there's a North American version of spiritism, which is spiritualism. <laughs> and there <laughs> are great. spiritualist churches here, right? So mm-hmm. from there, I started, you know, reading into this field and, um, and, you know, the rest is history. So, so I am such a, believer and and supporter now of spirit communication and um giving well giving hope to those who have had loved ones pass uh but also giving us a deep sense of purpose for why we are here and how do we um how do we really uh frame the challenges that we have in life and the opportunities of living this life in a way that's beyond just, you know, making money and trying to achieve success and, um, you know, th- th- these kinds of more worldly affairs. Yeah. And you do it so well. I want to, I was going over your website, which I had been on many times before in preparation for this show. And I want to get to some of the questions that you guide people to ask to help people stay Mm -hmm. focused on the heart. But as you were doing all of this personal research for your own spiritual life and understanding, where were you in your career? Yeah. So I, uh, yes, this, this encountering of, of mediumship and spiritualism really, uh, started to make me question how I was doing my business and how I was doing, you know, marketing. So a lot of us um, probably have a less than positive view of how most marketing is done. You know, marketing is seen as kind of a necessary evil, you know, in our world, at least for those of us who are spiritual, you know, oh, yes, you know, we companies obviously need to sell us their products, they, they, they have to do it through advertising. And a lot of advertising is trying to get us to uh, feel incomplete, uh, and feel like we are not uh, our our life is not uh, whole unless we buy this product. Essentially, is what marketing is trying to do. Uh, I have to I have to interrupt here because you use the term yeah. on your website, and I I'm pretty sure I know where it comes from. You said that um, you had you and others had been using lizard brain marketing. Are you talking about the <laughs> reptilian brain? <laughs> is that yeah. why you use yeah. that term? Exactly. It's sort of like this uh, marketing is trying to trigger us into either fear or yeah. greed 
or incompleteness. Um, and so the reptilian brain is, or, or you know, uh, food and sex, right? That's what the reptilian brain responds to, or insecurity, right? So mm-hmm. when marketers, you know, you know, use messages that make us feel uh, fearful, like, oh, if you don't, you know, if you don't buy this product, this might happen to you. Or if you don't mm-hmm. buy this product, you won't be loved by other people. You know, uh, so, so essentially, if you look at a lot of marketing, it's trying to do one of those two things, right? And we can't even, it's the, the, the reptilian brain. It's so deep, deeply embedded within us that we can't even consciously uh, engage with, at that level with the marketing messages. And so what happens is we're triggered to buy. We're triggered to take the actions that the marketer wants us to take. And it, it basically, what that does is it creates more, um, creates more fear and insecurity in the world. And mm-hmm. the, the whole marketing field actually, I think, is kind of taking us down some vibrational notches because it just, uh, it, it kind of um, enlarges the, the more base instincts of humanity. And I didn't see this until I started encountering this sort of near-death experience literature this, I, it, until I started really getting into my heart and soul. Then I started realizing, oh, that's what I'm doing to other people through my business and through my marketing. You know? Ooh, so how do you change yeah. at that point? And, and what was your, well, what did you have yeah. to change? Well, so it was particularly hard for me to change because I was making a lot of money doing this. Yeah. Marketers do make a lot of money uh, triggering humanity's baser instincts in order to get them to take action, right? So sad, sad it, but true. It really, <laughs> it really took a couple of years of my conscience starting to sabotage my business <laughs> because that's what yeah. happened is that you know, my conscience started getting educated, you know, started connecting again to the heart and it started sabotaging my business in, in, in little ways and eventually bigger ways until I was willing to listen because there is nothing that gets a business person to listen like the impact on the bottom line. And yeah. sometimes that happens with consumers protesting against business practices. For example, environmentalists, you know, the hot protests, like you can't do this to, to the environment. And so when there's enough protesting, businesses have to listen because there are maybe there's, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, you know, consumer movements saying, don't buy from this company or that company. Right. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the impact of the bottom line gets, gets corporations to start listening. But, but in this case, it was my internal protest that got hmm. me to say, well, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it in this way anymore. And so I eventually, it was 2012, 2013, had to shut down my business, at least the way I was doing it. And I was kind of, exp- it, I just had to stop doing it. I just couldn't do it anymore. And my income dropped dramatically in those years uh, because I didn't know how to then do, do the business I was doing in a way that was heartfelt, truly heart-based. And in fact, I was trying to look for what is a heartfelt and heart-based and spiritual way of doing business. And when I came across others who claim to be doing heart-based marketing or heart-based business, there was still a lot of lizard brain marketing 
<laughs> that was dressed up as heart-based ways of doing it and spiritual ways of doing it. And once you and, become aware of it, yeah. ooh, it jumps out at you. It really does. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But you, you have to become aware of what's, what the mechanics are behind it, you know, how we are being manipulated as consumers and if we are business people, how we've been taught to manipulate others. And so I have really had to find a new way. I had to say, well, gosh, if, if I only had six months left to live, was the question I asked myself. Yes. And it was because of, you know, near-death experience reading and reading about, you know, the spiritual life that says, well, you know, then I wasn't afraid to ask that question, right? Because well, what's because the I'm second part of the question? Anymore. If you had six months left to live, what? Then how would I, how would I interact with, with my, my life? How would I run my business, essentially? Yeah. What would I say to the world, right? And it wouldn't be the way I was doing business. And so I said, no, I have to tell the truth about what marketing is doing to humanity. And um, what if we could find a different, what if we could be honest with consumers? You know, what, we, what if we could really, well, first of all, that means we have to sell something we're actually proud of. Right? <laughs> we have to find a way. And, that, and the way I started realizing was, wait a second, marketing, I, I realized that marketing is not, it, doesn't have to be just promoting stuff and advertising. Marketing can be the way that a business finds its calling. So I started to see that a business had a soul too. And hmm. the soul of the business is um, the way that it can interact with the market in a truly, um, in, in a true way of integrity and generosity and compassion. And the, a business is essentially a, a group of people, or it could be one, it could be a one-person business. But it's it's how do we use product and services to really bless others in a mm -hmm. way that has integrity? So if we truly believe in our product and service, we need to let others know why we believe in this product and why is it that we believe they can really be helped by it? Not that their life wouldn't be complete without our product and service. And that they should buy now, otherwise, you know, the price is going to go up and, you know, creating scarcity in the world. But how can, what do we understand about others and what they're going through? And why does this product and service really help bring more delight into their life or bring an, a, a solution to a particular pain that they do have? Not that, not a pain that we create as marketing, mm -hmm. you know, as marketers, you know? And, and so, for example, you know, mediumship, right? Well, mediumship. George, we're coming up to a break here. So you're going to have to hold okay. that thought about mediumship. Sure. I hope you yeah. all are, are just loving his concepts, his thoughts, his energy. George Cow, georgecow.com. He has so much to share with us. I hope you'll come back after the break because he has some great ideas for how to work these concepts into our lives. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. The ancient Chinese philosopher known as Lao Tzu brings us into the present moment with this quote. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right action arises by itself? The master doesn't seek fulfillment, but not seeking, not expecting, is fully present and can welcome all things. When you're feeling impatient, think about this passage and trust in the moment. Discover how to connect with our loved ones on the other side with Suzanne Giesman and Messages of Hope. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central as Suzanne shares evidence that love never dies. In evidential medium, spiritual teacher, and author, Suzanne brings hope and healing through her gift of communication with those who have passed. Suzanne brings messages of hope and love that go straight to the heart. Tune in this Thursday right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. So we are talking today with marketing coach George Cow, who is teaching us how to bring generosity into business, honesty in marketing. What I love about George is one of the things he taught me is don't worry about number of people on your email list, number of likes on your Facebook page, number of people following you on Twitter, because numbers mean nothing. It's 
How many of the people that follow your work do so because they like your work, because they want to engage with you and with your work? And that is what matters. And I just stopped looking at numbers, which I several years ago used to do, and it's just so freeing. I used to be afraid to send out an email blast because we'd lose a bunch of people. They'd unsubscribe. And it's George who taught me that. Well, then you don't want those people anyway. You know, it's not about numbers. It's about connecting yeah. at the heart. I love it. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 And I, I should I should mention, you know, for those of you who are in business, uh, numbers, numbers matter in the in. It, I'll say this. I'll reframe it as this. Numbers don't matter in terms of whether or not um, we are going to be uh uh, well, let me, I'll say it this way. Let's reframe numbers as how we are actually blessing and serving our people. Okay. So, so it, when, and, and, and so not in terms of, so sometimes businesses focus, get fixated on the numbers and they forget the purpose behind the numbers, but the purpose underlying the numbers is what I'm trying to say. Because it is true that when we have a message that is, actually giving hope to our people, actually um, lifting them up, uh, getting them excited in a genuine way, the numbers can tend to go up, of course. And when the numbers are going down, well, we do need to ask ourselves, oh, how are we actually, are we, um, what, what have we changed that is bringing less um, hope and upliftment and uh, blessing to, to our people? However, in, in the example of, oh, gosh, I send, out a, I send out an email newsletter, and there are always people who unsubscribe. What's going on? Why do they unsubscribe, right? And some, some of us uh, who, who run a business can tend to get discouraged about these kinds of things. And what Suzanne is talking about is, let's look at our true fans. Let's look at our true and ideal clients and students and uh, content readers and you know podcast listeners, etc. Those who are getting so much out of the work that we do. When we when we focus on blessing them, things tend to go well. Also, in terms of numbers, but we don't have to worry. And and sometimes also we put an artificial goal to say, well, we've got to grow twenty percent this month or twenty percent this quarter. Oh, we didn't meet 20%. It only grew 10%. And that's when businesses, once again, fixate on the numbers rather than on the purpose of blessing those who are meant for us. Because there are people who are meant for us. No matter if we are meant to be serving 100 people in this lifetime or a million people in this lifetime or 10 or one person in this lifetime. Well, I need to make a comment here. Uh, If you were listening to the show last week, you know that I'm going through a little personal challenge and uh, with my mother's transition. And I'll tell you, the people that follow me on Facebook, oh, my gosh, they have blown me away with their love. I love you all. And it's just this is not work. This is not business. This is it's a ministry, but it comes back to me. And it's beautiful. And I love you all. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, what I was saying before the break was how, you know, when it comes to mediums, for example, and marketing, right? A lot of spiritual Mm -hmm. service providers, uh, they say, gosh, I don't like marketing. I don't want to do the kinds of, you know, maybe slimy things that some marketing experts are telling me to do. (laughs) 
that's what's one one uh, concern. Another concern as well. I, I, what if I can't use the right words to convince people that my service is worthwhile for them? And let me t- let me to to all of you who are thinking these things. Let me say this: Don't think about marketing. Think about meeting people's true needs. Think about talking to somebody who really needs and wants what you already have. You don't have to pretend to be anyone you are not. Because when you can really show up with a heart of service and say, I just want to connect with a person that I know can really be blessed, can really benefit from what I have. They are not with you know the person you're talking to in your quote unquote marketing or on your website or in a conversation is not the person who has their hands folded, you know, arms folded and saying, Suzanne, prove to me that you know what you're talking about. Prove to me that you know there really is a you know spiritual world. No, that's not the kind of people we're trying. If we're trying to talk to those people, we've already we're already playing the wrong game. We're we're already doing the wrong kind of business. Yeah. The kind of person we're talking to is the person saying, with open arms and saying, Suzanne, perhaps I've just, they, they might be saying I've just lost someone, somebody that I love and I want to be able to connect with them. Or it could be somebody who's saying, Suzanne, I, I want a meaning beyond what I can see in this life. I want real hope that there's a greater purpose beyond, uh, beyond just, you know, going to work every day, et cetera, you know, or so that's the kind of person. And they are so eager to get the right to, to get the message that you already have for them. And so when, so that, you, when it comes to that's, that kind that's of person, what you're talking about when you're talking about authentic marketing, when it comes from the heart, you can't help but connect. And it's, and it's honest it. and it's truthful. You're not being anyone other than who you, who you are when you're with a good friend and you're simply talking to your future good friends. That's it. And so when I say marketing, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about marketing as friendship right? As friendship, building, building friends. Whereas the typical way in the business world is they think of marketing as a couple of things. They think of marketing as hunting, Ooh. meaning we are trying to bait. Literally, they will use these terms. We're going we're gonna to bait people into joining our email list. We're going to bait people into buying this thing. We're going to, you know, it's sort of like this, um, we're going to wear them down with our advertisements until they finally give up and buy, <laughs> you know, or, or, or sometimes people think of marketing as, um, as, as religious conversion, you know, like we're going to try to convert them, trying to persuade them, trying to, uh, you know, um, literally they use the word convert, right? Convert people into buyers. And none of us like to be converted no matter what, what beliefs we have, we don't want someone else from another religion coming and saying, no, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong and why you should come over to my side. No, we don't have to do any of that. What we can do is what we want is somebody who says, I respect you for who you are. And I would like to be of service to you. How can I help? That's the kind of person we want to hang around. And that's the I don't hang around with do. you, George. How do yeah, we clone well. you? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I'm not trying to persuade anybody. I'm just trying to say, well, if if you think I can help you, how can I help you? Here are some things that I found helpful for the people I have helped. Maybe it'll help you too. 
And if it's not, great, let me find another resource for you if I can. Or if not, I'm sure you can find your other resources that are better for you. We have this feeling of when we're trying to be authentic, we're not trying to control anybody. We are simply blessing and then letting go and letting them make the decision when they are ready. And if we are right for them, they'll make a decision to come with us. And if we are not right, we bless them as they go along their way. You know. Wow. Now. Let's shift gears just a little bit, a totally related topic, and that has to do with charging money for what many consider spiritual gifts or healing gifts. And I know a lot of people listening are Reiki practitioners or hands-on healers. A lot of them are my mediumship students who are getting to the point where they may be at the point where this exchange of energy has, has gotten to the point where it might be nice to get some of that energy back. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about that. Absolutely. So when we give to a church, right, a church that we love, you know, an organization that we love, we do it saying we want that organization to be able to keep doing that work. It's such important work, right? And so Mm -hmm. I want you to think of that as also when it comes to the work that you want to be able to do more we want to spend more of your time doing because you know that so many people can be helped by it and you feel so fulfilled doing that work. Think of it as, gosh, people are giving back to you to be able to support your work going out there further in the world. And get this, when they give, to, when they give money to you, they feel good supporting that work as well, right? So this is important, therefore, in thinking about, well, what are we charging? What are we charging people? Are we charging people with a price that we feel so good about and that they feel good about, that they say, wow, I'm, I love supporting this work at this price. It's a good, it's a great deal, right? Oh, and oh so my, this, is, yeah. this is where you help me more than ever, if I could interrupt, George, in that yeah. I, I didn't know how to price my readings. And what I did was I went online and I looked up all the mediums that I had ever heard of. And I looked at what they were charging and, and I picked an average number that felt like where I was at my level of mediumship. And I would ask this fee. And every time somebody would say, well, how much do you charge? My stomach would clench. And it's like, Ooh, that's my body talking to me. It's too high. And yet, you know, how do I justify charging less? And I didn't know what Mm. to do until I found your formula. And it's a formula for determining what to charge. You want to share that with our listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll share it briefly because, uh, you know, otherwise we'll get too, too deep into the, yeah, all the, all the because technicalities. Because I want to talk but more about this. heart-based energy, um, so quickly. We, we must, not we must, if we want to, to have a business that fulfills our hearts and souls and gets a response of gratitude from our ideal clients, right, then we have to charge a, a number that feels both good to us to say, and good to them to hear, <laughs> good for them to hear. Um, I call it enoughness and compassion. Okay, so let me so talk about the enough formula right there. Enoughness yeah, the form, the and compassion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the enoughness number is basically, what are we charging in a way that, you know what, if I, and again, there's, there's more technicalities underneath the formula, but if I get a certain number of clients, if I'm going to, if I, how much am I willing to work? How many clients I'm going to have? How much money do I really need to make from this business? That's the other question. 
Maybe you don't need to make a million dollars. And sometimes when we start getting into learning marketing, learning business, we get, you know, kind of brainwashed by people who says, well, you've got to earn a six figure income. You know, you've got to earn a seven. Now, nowadays it's seven figure income, you know, from your business. And we start, we start to believe that if we aren't earning a six figure or seven figure income, we are therefore not successful in our business. And we don't have a real business. Baloney. Listen to your heart. <laughs> you know, look, look at your actual situation. Maybe some of us may have a, a spouse that supports us. Some of us may have a job that we're fine doing and we're doing this as a side thing. And maybe some of us have a savings. I don't know what your situation is, but you don't have to earn whatever the people are telling you you need to earn. You need to earn whatever your situation says, ah, this is enough to continue living a life that I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy with. It meets our needs. Why do I have to be so worried and so anxious pursuing something, you know, pursuing the tomorrow that I'm not, I don't really care about that particular vision someone has for my life. What about my own vision for my life? What is enough for me? You know, and let's look at that number. And also the compassion part of the formula is how can I, I ask myself, the question is, what is the least I can charge that both meets my enoughness goals, but also it also allows me to, to be compassionate to my clients. I want to say a number where my clients go, wow, that's a great deal. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for charging that number. I honestly, I have some clients who say, George, that's, that's all you charge, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but yep. no, nobody now says, wow, George, you charge too much. I used to hear that. Now I, now I have a number that I feel great about. And by the way, the number can change over time, right? If our mm-hmm. needs become less, we can charge less. If our needs become more over time, or if you're like, you know what, it's time for me to charge more, we can certainly charge more. We can certainly do that. But really, the question is, how is how, what does our heart say? What does our body say about this? And what, what kind of response am I getting from others? Right? Yeah. And yes, you, you might say, well, others might not know what they, what kind of pricing it is. And so if that is the case, and you're industry or with your audience, then you do need to do some, a little bit of price education um, to say, you know, so just, just so you all know, in the Reiki world, it's usually uh, this kind of pricing per session. And so this is the why, this is the reason I charge this pricing. It needs to feel good to you and it needs to feel good for the person who is hearing it. Beautiful. Now you're yeah. talking about the heart. So let's shift there. And I would love for you to talk to us about how we stay in that heart-based energy throughout the day if we're working. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I call this my energy reboot practice. And it's essentially three breaths that I take as often as I can throughout the day as I remember to do it. But I usually do it before meeting with clients, before this particular call. Um, before I go into a project that may be challenging, or, or just any time where I feel like uh, my heart's a little bit constricted or I'm not really in, 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 in tune with spirit. So this is, these are the three breaths. I'll kind of explain it, and then I'll, 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 I'll you know, maybe lead you all through, through this through three breaths. So the first breath I take, when I, as I breathe in, I think love. That's the, that's the word and the idea that I have as I breathe it in. And what I actually imagine is that I am breathing in molecules of love. I believe, and maybe you do as well, that the universe is maybe somehow 
magically and mysteriously made of molecules of love and light. Maybe one day our scientists will actually discover that when they have subtle enough equipment to, to sense that, oh, underneath the quarks, underneath the, you know, whatever, you know, little tiniest molecules that they can sense now, underneath all that, oh, there's light and there's love. What is that? So I, I believe <laughs> I'm breathing in molecules of love as I take the first breath. And as I breathe out, I think to myself, total security. Because I believe mm-hmm. that is the truth of my destiny and that is the truth of my current moment that beneath whatever problems and challenges that I'm grappling with in my business or in life that there is total complete security so that's the first exhale first inhale is love first exhale is total security complete security and then I actually can repeat that same breath of love and complete security another two or three times if I'd like to well, by the way, I'm, I'm holding my hands in my heart if I do this. The second blessing is I'm breathing in. So every week I focus on one particular virtue that I believe is important for me and, and you know, part of my purpose in life. And this week happens to be compassion. So mm-hmm. on the second breath, I'm breathing in the wisdom of compassion, which I believe also is you know, the, the, the molecules around me somehow are infused with an, with an infinite wisdom that I cannot see, but that's there. But breathe in the, the virtue of the week, the, you know, the value of the week, compassion in this week. And I breathe out, I breathe out sort of compassion oozing from the molecules of my body onto others as I work with them today or into my work. I breathe that in. And then the third breath, I am breathing in um, actually, in my third breath, I'm actually envisioning what I'm doing next, whatever I am doing next. In the next you know, 15 minutes to an hour, am I going on a call? Am I working on an email? Am I writing something? What, what am I actually doing next? And I breathe, I, I breathe in you know, wisdom, compassion. I breathe that out into the task that I'm about to do. So I, I, how can I breathe in compassion into the next task? Is what I'm thinking this week. So if I can then lead you. So this is three breaths. It takes about half a minute, but it makes such a difference throughout my day as often as I can do it. So let's let's uh, try this together. So get relaxed and then breathe in love. Breathe out total complete security. Second mm. breath. Breathe in compassion, the wisdom of compassion. Breathe out compassion from the molecules in your body. And third breath, I put my hands together um, and I breathe in wisdom of compassion again. And I breathe this into the next task that I'm going to be doing in my day. Three breaths. That's it. And as I mentioned, you can repeat particularly repeat that first breath. You can repeat any of these breaths. I particularly repeat that first breath as many times as I need to really get into that remembrance of love is the truth and, and the total and complete security is the reality of what we're all swimming in and living in today. Wow, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's something that I've rarely heard anybody do, but can you imagine how our world would change? If everybody adopted that practice. 
a simple, simple couple of breaths. And, and really, you can modify this practice however you want. It's really, there's, there's, there's two levels to this. One is just a physiological you know, change that happens when we take deep breaths, which mm-hmm. we often forget to do, right, throughout the day, especially when we're working and there's, there's a challenging problem or, or there's a boring task or whatever it may be in our work, right? Breath. Oh, yes. Very refreshing. Yeah, and then of course the deeper level to to this is we're not only breathing, we're also infusing meaning into our breath so that we can bring a spirituality, actually implement spirituality in our day-to-day tasks. So I hope everybody will take this practice, shape it into however you want to, and use it. Use it, you know, three. I, I do it at least three times a day, you know, but use it as many times a day as, as you like. Nice. Wow. Well, thank you for that. We have just a few minutes left. I'd like you to talk to me about the term that you use quite often, and that is radical generosity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, so, so generosity. I, you know, in, in business, I'll say, radical generosity is sharing whatever wisdom, and particularly those of you who. Uh, would like to get into a healing type of work. Radical generosity to me means to share whatever wisdom you can with the world and with those who you've come across in your in your business. So, um, a lot of people feel like they have to hold back their information because, well, if I give that away, then what do I charge for? You know, are people going to say, "Well, I've had, I've had enough," you know? But I say, no, no, no. If you feel called to give a particular type of wisdom or piece of information to somebody that's in front of you, give it, give it, share it. You know, in my world, um, the way I give wisdom in, in, to the world is I, I, I write blog posts, I, I, I make videos, um, yeah. you know, I come on to podcasts and radio shows like this, and I just share whatever I, whatever I can to really help the ones who are listening or watching or reading without trying to hold back and say, well, I'm going to give you just this one step. And then if you want the next step, you got to, you know, come onto my website and buy this with me or you know, join my email newsletter to get the next step or whatever it may be. Um, and I find that when we are willing to give without uh, a need for a return in, in a particular timeline that we, we have defined with our ego mind, um, then what happens is we also become radically creative. Mm-hmm. There, there, well, you, you, you have so many videos on your website. And once you sign up for your email list, which I encourage people to do, uh, you send out content all the time. And I get your emails. And in all honesty, most people, other marketers or, or even spiritual emails that don't have time to read, but yours just grab me because they're authentic and, and you're sharing so so freely. Well, and, and I want to say, it's, it's just like Sanaya says as well. I mean, how you are implementing radical generosity in your business is you are just channeling Sanaya. Like, you are just open and, and generous with channeling Sanaya, you know? And now you've got your first Thursday of the month here on the radio show, I, which I really enjoy listening to, by the way. And thank you, and thank you for, for starting that, 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 that new uh, edition. So when we are willing to just stay open and let the the spirits channel through us and share our generosity, we find that we become more creative, more skillful, 
and more fulfilled than we've ever been. It's a really beautiful win-win, win, everybody wins. You, um, of course, the people you're serving win. You know, spirit is winning and smiling because they are able to really come through you and love and, and bless the world. And you're, you're, you yourself, you yourself win because you're growing in heart, in skills, and you're growing in a community. People love you. People think there's something different about you. You know, that you are willing to give in a way that others aren't willing to give. You know? And so I'll just say this. We can definitely be radically generous in, in terms of creativity. In the, the things are intangible. Now, I, I want to say, when I say radical generosity, I don't literally mean you should go out there and, and sell all your belongings and, and give everything to the poor. And some of you may want to do that. That's maybe your calling. But for most of us, you know, the radical generosity is first and foremost we can implement that in the intangibles of our life and of our world. Don't be afraid to help others to give information, share our heart. George, we are about out of time. I just want to quickly share what you have on your website. You wrote, I dream of a world where everyone can do the work they love, be sustained financially, and have plenty of time to spend with loved ones and pursue other passions. We could definitely feel your passion today, and I thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you, Suzanne, for bringing me here. People that have been listening, I hope you've enjoyed George as much as I have. Please check out his website, georgecow.com. That's K-A-O.com. We'll see you next week. Everybody go out and have a blessed week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.